Welcome to this Archives podcast. We are following our discussions from a previous time about general paediatrics and today we want to focus on how we are going to train general paediatricians of the future. Um, my name is Ashley Reese. I'm a paediatrician, general paediatrician. I work in Hertfordshire. Raman Lakshman, paediatrician at West Suffolk Hospital at Bury St Edmunds. Uh, I'm a CSAC chair for general paediatrics. Colin Powell, Senior Lecturer in General Paediatrics at Cardiff University, um, Chair of the British Association of General Paediatricians. Andy Ruffles, Consultant Paediatrician in Hertfordshire. Lachman, the General Paediatrician is having to manage increasing numbers of A&E attendances in, in emergency departments, is having to manage children of higher dependency. We um, have higher turnovers of turnover of children on the ward with shorter length of stay. Is the general paediatrician having to, uh, as a consultant, become 24 hours resident in the hospital? Well, this definitely is one of the things I think, uh, I mean, I know some small numbers of units have moved on to uh, to being resident consultancy. Where I work, we are now doing the evening uh, shifts. So we have a consultant and we have a um, uh, a, a, a foundation year doctor or a GP trainee um, uh, for about five hours in the evening. I think it has advantages because, as Colin uh, has previously said about uh, decision-making, often senior decision-making uh, is quick. It reduces the number of investigations. Uh, it reduces the number of admissions. On the other side, obviously, you have often experienced people uh, now doing acute work uh, and therefore having less time to do outpatient clinics, which are actually, which need a lot of uh, experience um, uh, to do, do, do them well. And what I also find is that it is demoralizing for the juniors who so far have viewed their period of on-calls as time-limited. Uh, and once they become a consultant, they think that's the end, they don't do evenings or nights. Uh, and we know there's, there's always been a problem with recruitment to paediatrics. And I think I'm not sure whether this actually um, will encourage more people to take on paediatrics. So I think it, it is one model uh, of trying to uh, deal with, with our recruitment problems uh, by getting more consultants um, doing more active work, but acute work. But I'm not sure that it is the right one. Sorry, it's Colin here. One of the disadvantages of, of having the resident on call, there's lots of good reasons for that being uh, the case as you describe. But if that, if you're off the following day and your 10 PAs uh, is very much focused on um, on service, I think there are two big problems. One is um, you're either there providing service or you're not. And so as a critical mass, as paediatricians working together in a department, there's little time to actually get together to talk about uh, a lot of things, not just the way you deliver your service, but um, cases, um, CPD, etc. Um, and and secondly, you're not there to to help um, develop the teaching and the research and and within your department. And I think those are crucial things. And my concern is that that will get lost as people will come in, do their service, uh, have their resident um, being on call, and then go home. And I think they're big risks to us. And I'm not sure how we how we deal with that. And that's a big challenge. But then turning it all round, what I would argue as a paediatrician is that actually children get their best care by the most senior person around seeing them. Now, that clearly is expensive in sense of the time of a consultant's commitment. 
but actually it's relatively inexpensive in terms of the child's quality of care because you do improve in the acute setting. I, I think there is a big challenge there because consultant paediatricians, generalist specialists, have such a vast range of of things they need to contribute to the wider health service. It isn't. I don't think it's an accident that paediatricians actually disproportionately make up a large number of medical directors of trusts. In fact, some of the largest trusts have got ex I say ex-paediatricians because I don't see how they can work as paediatricians, but I think it does tell you something about the way paediatricians work and, and how they're seen as managing services. I, I think we mustn't forget that primary care, secondary care interface, this is something that quite intrigues me, that if we're making paediatricians do primary care paediatrics, which is really what, what we're about here, we're saying children with fevers, undifferentiated, turning up in children's assessment units, urgent care centres, whichever door we're now opening for children, and there are more and more of them probably bypassing primary care, and we need to ask the question why that happens. The average GP sees, as far as I understand, um, to 4 year olds 6 to 12 times a year, each child. Now, they have a vast experience. What's happening to that experience? Because I think all of us around this table are nodding when we say, well, where are we getting all these children from? Because once you enter the secondary care services, if you see the FY1, FY2, oh, I forgot the nurse practitioner, the triage nurse, I mean, all of these people want different things from these children. And by the time the parent gets to see the person who says, this is what we're going to do, they're often exasperated. And when we were doing some work years ago about potentially closing children's inpatients, we went to primary schools and we asked the school children, what do they want? And they said, we want to see the people who know what to do and who can do it without the, with the least pain. That was quite useful. And I think we've got a danger here, um, sticking with the paediatric topic, of throwing out babies and bathwater because primary care and secondary care paediatrics really need to look very closely at each other and say, well, what are we trying to do? Because I think many of us now feel that secondary care paediatrics at the front line is really primary care. What has happened to the primary care interface? And we come back to Collins um, quite, you know, it's a very good way of doing things is put the paediatrician, the most trained person at the front line. But if you do that, who's going to be there to look at strategy and deliver on reshaping services? Because I certainly couldn't do both jobs. We've, looked, we've done some work locally in our emergency department looking at why parents present uh, to emergency and it, certainly if they've not been to primary care with the problem whether it's an illness or an injury uh, there is a perception out there that they will get to see a paediatrician if they walk in through an emergency department door um, and I think you make some points about uh, different sorts of emergency facility urgent care walk-in centre and the, 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 some co-location with GP out of hours um, services um, it, it's very confusing f for the public. I think it's an expectation on the patients and parents that they will see us if they walk into the hospital. Do you think, think that uh, paediatricians should be practising more out in the community, out in primary care, with general practitioners? I mean, do you think that's a model for the future? I mean, there has been suggestions about you know, hospital paediatricians sp spending some of their PAs in primary care, so it may not be a total shift, but possibly spending uh, two or three PAs where they uh, partly providing service, partly providing training and support. I mean, there are sort of models in between complete primary care paediatricians and 
hospital uh, and not doing anything and just being hospital paediatricians. Yeah, I think we should be braver than that. I think we should say that why does the UK not have primary care paediatricians? And and this has been around for a long, long time. I forget the name of the report back in the 70s. I went into paediatrics to be a GP paediatrician and at my first interview I, I was asked, do I know what a lemon tastes like? Go and suck it first. Go and be a GP first. And I would challenge and I would say that actually an awful lot of what paediatricians conventionally do, particularly with long-term illness, and we have a lot of long-term chronic illness, is not best done in a hospital setting. I I think, for example, uh, diabetic care may well be much better done in diabetic centres for young people away from hospitals. We know across the country that that compliance with attending in outpatients um, is poor for adolescents. So where should we be seeing those young people? And we have a responsibility for not just acute sick children. We, unfortunately, we have a responsibility for the, the breadth of paediatrics. And with the increasing number of children with gastrostomies or gastrojejunostomies, we can't expect our primary care colleagues to be able to replace those. But we have nursing colleagues who will go out there. So I think paediatrics has to look closely at itself and say, have we gone out into the community enough as paediatricians before we ask primary care, or at the same time as we ask primary care, to look closely at, well, are you, are you delivering on the paediatric requirements? And the common thing here is the training. Most GPs today, in where I work in Hertfordshire, would have come, th- well, about 30% would have come through our local departments as trainees. Maybe we didn't train them in the right way. But something's changing, as everyone has said. But I think it's time for a very radical rethink. We've got to evolve with all the other things changing in the health service. And I think there's a danger, and a real danger, that paediatrics could be one of the first parts of what was certainly acute paediatrics that was formerly thought of as a hospital-based specialty to come out of hospital and actually even acute paediatrics to be primary care-based. I think certainly a a model in a number of other countries like America and um, indeed Australia. And dare I challenge it, that it could even come out the NHS completely. And maybe that would be an effect. (laughs) I can see raised eyebrows and a lot of worried looks, and maybe that will be expunged from this uh, podcast. But I think paediatrics, because it is definable in terms of the population we look after, and we recognise long-term disability, after all, we invented community paediatrics. And a very well-thought-of community paediatrician, I know, gives a talk entitled, Community Paediatrics, Is That a Real Job? Now, the reason is that where do those paediatricians, where do their children belong? And many of us used to look after long-term disability, but that's gone to community paediatrics. What about the time in training? We can't talk about trying to affect better training or define what what, what the ideal model for general paediatric training should be without talking about the the length of time um, doctors are allowed to work. Um, if, If... the UK decided it uh, wasn't part of that legislation anymore and uh, increased training. I'm not saying we go back to the Friday to Monday weekends, but uh, uh, you know, to, to take out some slack of the system and uh, reduce the number of doctors, fill the holes that are in uh, most rotors, would that allow training to when improve? We, I mean, when we speak to trainees, the, uh, what the message is clear that you know, most of them are suffering with the new rotors, they don't feel there's continuity. They say they get posted to the ward on one day, special care on the other day, or they go on to nights, they come back. They don't know exactly what's happening. Uh, And I think a lot of them do feel that maybe being able to uh, go on to a 24-hour on-call rotor or something is uh, 
may be more helpful for their training. Um, of course, the Temple Report, which has recently come back, is actually uh, says the opposite things in that it says that the current amount of hours uh, being compliant with EWTD, uh, the number of hours which is there is actually adequate for training, and uh, it pushes the model for, for more, uh, you know, consultant-delivered care with trainees being alongside providing service but being very closely supervised. Um, something has to change. I think currently with, with the recruitment problems and with the holes in the middle grade rota, it's clear that a lot of trainees are not really getting the proper training that they deserve. Um, so uh, I think we need to, I think a action is needed, uh, whichever way we decide. Um, uh, but, but something needs to, needs to change, either moving on to this uh, less EWTD compliant rotors or uh, you know, getting more consultants running the thing and allowing the trainees to observe, you know, attend clinics uh, uh, and to uh, achieve their training objectives. Length like, like of training is another important thing. There has been pressure, I feel, for the general paediatric training to be shortened so people can get their CST quickly and, and become a consultant. But I actually think that you need to do probably longer uh, in your training before becoming a general paediatrician. And I'd like to make sure that we have a little bit longer in training before becoming generalists. And I, I would envisage at um, year uh, ST4, ST5, ST6 sort of level, actually focusing on a general paediatric training. So not only doing your core training, but actually doing a general paediatric training, which would, which would be made up of six months on, of paediatric intensive care, six months in the emergency department, a year of acute stroke ambulatory paediatrics, uh, six months of um, psychiatry and community paediatrics, and six months of outpatient paediatrics, and actually having that as a block of training focusing on general paediatrics. I was going to comment 25, 28 years ago, that was exactly the training that we, we'd got. Now, we got it piecemeal. It was the job you applied for. You second-guessed what might be important. There were a few rotations. If you were lucky, you got onto a good rotation. But you got exposed to things like that. And I think you're absolutely right, Colin. I think the pressure on training, it, I, I have to say I think it's right that the EWTD does operate. But I think it has to acknowledge that where we've shifted work to consultants and in, increased the requirement to supervise and train properly, we must ensure that people have the tools to do that properly. But I also think we mustn't lose track of the fact that the consultants who are providing all of this need help and support and time to do it. I think, Colin, your point about including psychiatry in paediatric training is absolutely vital because so much of what we do now is not just based around organic disease. There's a huge psychosocial dimension. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for their contributions, and we've uh, spent some time thinking about how we might tackle some of the challenges for general paediatrics in the future.